بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد نسلی اللہ رسول الکریم اما بات الحمد للہ tonight is the 27th of september in the year 2023 and inshallah to start another subsection of the utmost importance in the believer's life and that is with regards to character so first of all our beloved messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam he said good character is a part of man's bliss good character is a part of man's bliss this is recorded in behaki khalaiti imam ghazali in his ihya volume 3 page 90 in the chapter on the discipline of the soul so here the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was basically highlighting that any part of character good character is an enormous bounty for you it is bliss for a man <coughs> So you may have a certain good quality. That is the part of bliss Allah has blessed with you. But the others you're lacking in, you should beg Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for that. In another wording, he said, Good character is truly auspicious. Good character is truly auspicious. Recorded by Imam Khara'iti, Imam Ghazali in his Ihya, volume 3, page 90, in the chapter on the discipline of the soul. So auspicious being, obviously a sign of blessing. And the Prophet simply said, good character is auspiciousness. Mm. Meaning, it is a sure sign to eternal success and happiness. And how could this not be? When our beloved messenger went on to say, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, nothing better than good manners. is bestowed upon a man. Mm. Nothing better than good manners is bestowed upon a man. In Tabarani in his Kabir, number 463. So think about the things that can be, you can be bestowed with. You can be bestowed with wealth. That is not the best thing. You can be bestowed, you know, with so many things you can, you can rattle them off. The greatest thing that you could be bestowed with is good manners. So this highlights how high it is in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Its weight can be gauged from the following prophetic statement, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Good character is in reality half of religion. Subhanallah. Good character is in reality half of religion. This is in Behaki and Deilan. Now think about that. If a person considers character to be of little significance in Islam, he's neglecting half his deen. So imagine a person has a stroke and half his body is basically now dead. That's the person who considers Islam and character to be alien. Half of his deen is character. This is how important it is in, in terms of the weight. And there's a famous report. In Sayyid Bukhari, number 5,949, Sayyid Muslim, number 2,106, our beloved messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, The angels, alayhi salatu wa salam, do not enter a house in which there is a dog. The angels, alayhi salatu wa salam, do not enter a house in which there is a dog. So, important to clarify, it's referring to the angels of mercy. The angel of death, no dogs going to prevent him from coming. 
Right? So obviously, the Prophet is not talking about all the angels. He's talking about the angels of, ble- of mercy and blessings. So what is this going to do with character? Imam Ghazali, Rahmatullahi, in his Ihya, volume 1, page 120, in the chapter on the merits of knowledge, learning and teaching, he added a dimension to a deeper meaning of this hadith when he said, The heart is a person's home, which the angels visit very often and which they abide. The habits like anger, lust, hatred, jealousy, arrogance, conceit and others are barking dogs. Thus how can one expect the angels to enter the heart when dogs have infested it? So this is the beauty of the prophetic statements. They have profound meaning. So obviously the the external meaning is if you have a dog in your house and there is no need for the dog obviously then the angels of mercy don't enter. Straightforward meaning. But a deeper meaning Imam Ghazali highlighted is that the heart is your home. So how do the dogs, if any, enter your heart? And the dogs of the heart are bad characteristics. So if you've got the dogs of the heart, then how are the angels of mercy going to enter your heart? So Imam Ghazali is highlighting, this is why the awliya is an awliya, because his heart is purified. There's no dogs there. So the angels frequently reside in the hearts of the saints, frequently. Unfortunately, we're not as purified. Therefore, we don't experience what they experience. Those, those with sublime characters are in reality magnets to the blessed angels of mercy. SubhanAllah. Think about that. Those with sublime characters are in reality magnets to the blessed angels of mercy. If you want to know where the blessings are descending, the blessings descend where the angels are. So, who do the angels, who are they attracted to? They are attracted to those with good character. So Allah, the last blessing, this is why the Prophet, he had the pinnacle in terms of character. So how many blessings was descending where he was? Amir al-Mu'mineen, Sayyidina Uthman, he said, No person does a deed except that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala clothes him in its garment. If the deed is good, the garment is good. If it is evil, then the garment is evil. This is in Abu Dawood in his Zuhd, number 106-7. Ahmad in his Zuhd, page 126. Hafiz ibn Qayyim, in his Al-Wabil, As-Sayyib, page 90 of the New English Translation. So what does this mean? So what did Amir al-Mu'mineen, Sayyidina Uthman, what did he mean when he said, you, depending upon the deeds that you do, the garment is given to you. If your deeds are good, you'll have a good garment. If your deeds are evil, you'll have an evil garment. So what does that mean? So Hafiz ibn Qayyim, he explained, in his Al-Wabil As-Sayyib, page 90 to 1 of the New English Translation, this is something known and shared by those of insight and other than them. I.e. it is not just experienced by the elite. You may smell a fragrance from a good righteous man, even if he has not touched fragrance. But the pleasant smell of his soul appears on his body. And clothes, aye, the same can be said of innocent children. As for the evildoer, the opposite is true. Whilst the one who has a cold 
who is affected by the illness of the heart is unable to smell anything. Perhaps he may thus deny it altogether. So what did the great Hafiz ibn Qayyim say? He said, this is not an, a, a state of an awliya. Obviously the awliyas can see this to a great degree. The Prophet said, obviously you were spiritually naked in front of him. And also the companions. Uthman radiyallahu a man came to him. Because why do people come to me with fornicating eyes? And the man had, when he came to see Uthman, he had seen a woman. So how did Uthman know that? Because the Prophet said that the believer sees with the light of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So there's something that the believer can see. It's like a garment. So the first thing Ibn Qayyim said, rahmatullahi, it's not just for the awliya. He goes, other than them experience this. So going to our level, isn't it true that certain people, this just their scent, it just smells pleasant. And it's not an atr, they're not wearing atr. So what is that scent? And the scent is the garment. Allah is allowing you to experience the scent of his righteousness. Just like you get a child. You notice how children smell, you know, you know, like innocent and, you know, pleasant. But the opposite is true for the evildoer. He's not, you know, walked in a furnace. He's not walked through a sewer. And yet, you think, this, I, just, I don't feel comfortable with this person. What is that? That's that garment. But you're speeding to a much lesser extent than the awliya. But then look what Ibn Qayyim said. This is again, the scholars, they add things out of generosity. Because if somebody has a cold, he can't smell anything. And then the danger is he might even deny it. <laughs> so what he meant by that was, if you're spiritually dead, you just laugh at these statements. And it's true. <laughs> what are you talking about? This is all what? Smell what? You know, they start arguing with you. What are you talking about? There's no, what's the science behind that? And then the response is, oh, he's got a flu. <laughs> he can't smell anything. So look how beautiful Ibn Qayyim is explaining this hadith of Amir al-Mu'minin Sayyidina Uthman radiyallahu. Imam Ghazali rahmatullahi he said, in his Ihya, volume 3, page 46, in the chapter on marvels of the heart, Abu al-Khir rahmatullahi, he was a famous man of wonders. Ibrahim al-Raqi rahmatullahi once went to him at the time of Maghrib Salah. So there's two personalities. There was a saintly soul called Abu al-Khir. And karamats were common with him. Meaning that miracles seemed to occur wherever he wherever he you know he was. So another saintly soul, Ibrahim al-Raqi, went to see him at Maghrib. Upon arrival, Abu Akhir, Rahmatullah, he could not recite Fatiha correctly. So he was leading the prayer and he was making an error. He was he couldn't recite it properly with Tajweed. Thus Ibrahim who went to see him thought his journey had been futile. He thought, well, how am I going to benefit from him? Because he doesn't even know how to recite Fatiha properly. When the Salat was over, Ibrahim went out to purify himself, i.e. after a call of nature. But as he was doing so, a lion suddenly confronted him. Thus, he quickly returned and informed Abu Al-Khair about it. In other words, he goes, are there lions here? You know, here about so Abu Al-Khair emerged and the lion was still there. He scolded the lion. He goes, have I not informed you that you must not pester my guests? Mm. The lion then scampered. Mm. 
Abu Al-Khair then turned to Ibrahim and said, Subhanallah, you occupied yourself with the apparent and thus you feared the lion. I engaged myself to rectify what is unseen and the lion feared me. He was on your way. There you go. So there's the state. You got an alim and you got an awliya. Where's the, what's the difference? Chalk and cheese. The awliya, see, the, uh, the alim seeing the apparent, he goes, oh, he's not doing kalkala. And he, you know, he's not, he's not coming from the upper part of the mouth. His fatih is not correct. Then he goes for, you know, like we say, tati khana, right? And then he sees a line. Then what happens? Almost less, you know, bodily functions lost. Pulls his kacha up, runs bike. Right? And then he goes to the sheikh. He goes, there are the lions here. So the sheikh, now why did the sheikh actually go out? Because he'd warned the lion. And when he saw the lion, he goes, haven't I told you not, you must not pester my guests. Lion went, see you later. Then this is the key point. Then he turned to Ibrahim. Now how did he know? that he had found fault with his recital. Think about that. Because he's a man of wonders, Allah has inspired him. And look what he said to him, because he came to learn, and this was his lesson. You occupied yourself with what? The apparent. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim, Malik. Apparent. That's your occupation. So what happened? You feared the lion. That's what happens when people, you know, get obsessed with this. I engage myself to rectify what is unseen. In other words, I'm, I've, got, I've got rid of the, by the grace and mercy of Allah, the haram traits. And the lion feared me. In other words, have you got your lesson? So think about that. how many people, which camp are we in? You know how many times, oh, he didn't do this right, he didn't do that right. Mashallah, brother. Hallelujah. Right? You just pray a prayer and don't worry about it. And what can you, what can you do about it? It's not as if you're like the Imam, the Grand Mufti of Donald, right? Never lead the prayer again. He's, you know, he's going to carry on, so just you know, go to another masjid. So not here, going back, the government. What did Uthman say? If you do good, you have a good government. If you have problems, you have some other garment. What garment did Abu Al-Khair have? The good garment. What did the other one have? Problem. He saw it. Consider the beautiful narration of the noble companion Abu Sabu Thaqwan ibn Abd Al-Qais. He's not a famous sahab. So just to mention a bit about him. So Hafiz ibn Hajar Asqalani Rahmatullah in his Al-Isaba, page 265 of the New English Translation, he said, Abu Sabu Zakwan ibn Abd al-Qais he witnessed the first and second pledge of Aqaba he met Rasulullah in Makkah stayed with him there and migrated to Al-Madinah thus he is from the Muhajirun and the Ansar he fought in the battle of Badr and Uhud so Ibn Hajjah mentions this in his Al-Isaba, page 265 of the New English Translation. So this is the sadness. Even though he's not famous, he's a Badri. Are there any greater souls amongst the companions and the Badris? He's one of them. In fact, he's a strange companion. What do I mean by strange? He's both. He actually went to the Prophet and he stayed with him in Makkah. Then he migrated, but even though he wasn't from Makkah. So he's both. 
So that is a little bit about him. So now why was he chosen by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? This report gives you the indication. <coughs> so this narration is recorded by Hafiz ibn Hajar al-Asqalani rahmatullahi in his Al-Isaba, page 265-6 of the New English Translation. After the battle of Badr, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam offered the Asr Salah. And then they continued until they came near to Al-Madina. So what's happened? The glorious battle of Badr has been fought and won. They return into Al-Madina. On the journey they've offered Asr. And they're now near the holy city. They settled in this place with the wounded until the evening came. So they didn't enter the holy city. They were a short distance away. They camped and the wounded were there as well. They offered the Maghrib and Isha Salah and they spent the night there. 50 men were selected to guard the perimeter led by Muhammad ibn Maslama. So obviously you got to be on your guard even though they're victorious, there's enemies. So 50 companions were guarding the perimeter. The Amir was Muhammad ibn Maslama. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam thereupon selected a special guard for a specific task that night. He asked, who will guard us tonight? So even though he's got 50, he wanted a specific task. So he asked, who will guard us tonight? A man thereupon said, hidden from view, under the darkness of the night, I will ya Rasulullah. The Prophet asked, who are you? The man said, Raqwan. So what's happened? Complete darkness. They hear the voice. The Prophet goes, who is it? He goes, Zakwan. The Prophet said, accept it. Then he asked again, who will also guard us tonight? <coughs> A man stood up and said, I will, Ya Rasulullah. The Prophet asked, who are you? The man said, Abu Sabu. The Prophet said, sit. Who will also guard us tonight? A man stood up and said, I will, Ya Rasulullah. The Prophet asked, who are you? The man replied, Ibn Abd al-Qais. The Prophet said, sit. So what's happened? He's asked three times who will guard for a specific task. And three different people have given their, their names. Sometime thereupon passed. And Rasulullah asked those three men. Abu Sabu, Zakwan, and Ibn Abdul Qais. Now arise and come forward, I, so you can fulfill your task. Zakwan came forward, Rasulullah then asked, Where are your two companions? Zakwan replied, and he whispered, Because Ya Rasulullah, I am the one who answered you all three times. There wasn't three men, it was me. The Prophet then said, With pleasure, go forth. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect you. He then donned his armor, grabbed his weapons and guarded the army that night. Indeed, he watched over Rasulullah that night so he was able to sleep peacefully. Mm-hmm. So now, what's happening? <laughs> Subhanallah. Note how eager Sayyidina Zakwan was to perform a most rewarding deed 
But this is the difference. At the same time, preserving it from any pollution by trying to hide his identity. For the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, was he lying? No. He was just changing his name. He was, who will God? He was like one. Second time. Who will God? What was the response now? Abu Sabo. Who will God? Because who are you? Ibn Abdul Qais. Now the Sahaba couldn't see. So they're thinking, all right, mashallah, three, mashallah, three Sahaba have beaten us to the punch. Who is he beaten to the punch? Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, Ali, Zubair, Talha. Now, fish and chip shop owner, right? Why is, he, why is he changing his name? There's the secret. He doesn't want anybody to know. Right? So then the Prophet calls him. And when he comes forward, he goes, where's your two companions? <laughs> and then he said, Ya Rasulullah, it's me. You know, I just used three different names. And how did the Prophet respond? He smiled. He didn't start saying, what is this? We've just come back from the battle of Badr. Haven't you got enough virtues? What was he doing? He was protecting his, his deed. He was not making sure this is only for Allah subhanahu Only when the Prophet summoned him, he had to tell him. He whispered. And then the Prophet smiled, meaning subhanAllah. So now, why am I mentioning this here? What does that tell you about the Badris? One of their striking traits was they were the most purest of people. What harm would it have been if he had just mentioned his name three times? Zakwan. Is who will God? I'm ready again, Ya Rasulullah. Third time. I'm the third time I'm ready again. Why is he changing his... What's going on there? Because he thinks he knows. Look, and you get the impression he's moving in the darkness. Why? Because if he's answering from the same area, they know it's him. So when they said when he said Zakwan, he probably moved to another area. Then he maybe even tried to you know, disguise his voice. Right? Even Abdul Qais and then Sahaba going, oh, right, okay, mashallah. And there you go, you know, subhanallah. Just to add about this great man, Hafiz ibn Hajar said in Ibn Hajar Asqalani in Al Isabah, page 267 of the New English Translation, why is he not famous? Ibn Hajar said, he was martyred in the Battle of Uhud. He was struck by Abdul Hakam ibn Al Akhnas ibn Shuraik al Thakafi whilst on horseback. Ali ibn Abu Talib thereupon launched upon Abu al-Hakam whilst he was riding his horse, struck him in the leg with his sword, resulting in his leg being severed from the thigh down. Then he tossed him from the horse before finishing him off. <laughs> so what happened? He was martyred. He was one of the 70 martyrs of Uhud. So this is why we don't know much about him. But the little glimpses you get, you see how great he was. And look at Ali. <laughs> you know, he's thinking, I'm going to get that shaitan. Now think about it. Why are you chasing somebody on a horseback? That's just suicide. And Ali did it. Even though the battle's lost, I'm going to get him. Mm. And look at the report. He could stroke him in the leg. Well, how do you strike a man who's pelting on a horse on his leg? Then he grabbed him and he finished him off. Tossed him off his horse. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be well pleased with the noble Sayyidina Abu Sabr Vakwan ibn Abd al-Qais. And forgive us all for his honorable sake. I mean, so note obviously the companions they set the standard and notice it was to the subject of character the purity of these noble souls and this confirms the famous report 
where Ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu he relates in Ahmad Sayyih Allah Ta'ala looked into the hearts and he chose the purest of hearts Muhammad and then he looked into the hearts and he chose the most purest hearts the companions of Muhammad so what's Allah Ta'ala doing he's choosing the best for the Prophet who was one of those this great companion chosen by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so note again, this is where the greatness lies in the believer. It's his connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He's not concerned about the shusha. This is just the riffraff, you know, praise of people. doesn't mean anything to him. Whether he gets a tap on the back or not, he's not bothered. He's concerned about his relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The greatest companion, Abu Bakr Siddiq. And look at his purity. You know, if you think about it, it's just, you know, where are we on the spectrum? The hadith is in Nasai Abu Dawood, authentic. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said, Nobody's company and wealth has benefited me more than that of Abu Bakr. Mm. Abu Bakr bursts into tears. He goes, Am I and my wealth for any but you? Ya Rasulullah. So that's the hadith. So there's something strange in the hadith. What's strange in the hadith? The first bit. Um no one's wealth. That's not strange. Abu Bakr is the greatest. There's something strange in the hadith. Well, there's not much left of the hadith. You could the work. last, the last. That was the last bit. It's uh, my end. No. Nope. <laughs> you missed the strange part of the hadith. Is this a praise of Abu Bakr? Yes. Yes? When you're praised, do you rejoice or do you cry? Bole bale musulman, just narrating hadith. <laughs> Abu Bakr wept. Why is he weeping? Because he didn't want people to know. So he said to the Prophet, he goes, Ya Rasulullah, am I and my wealth for any but you? In other words, why did you tell the people? This is between me, you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Where are we in the spectrum? Imagine if, you know, somebody mentions your virtue. You didn't prompt him. You didn't say anything. Do you start weeping? Be honest. Do you know that, you know, brother so-and-so? Do you know that? You know, do you know that about him? And then it reaches your ears. Do you start going, oh, what are you crying for? You probably even tell the guy, well, I don't understand, brother. You know, you didn't prompt him. You know, this is good news. Allah Abu Bakr wept. That's how pure he was. Because I'm not bothered about anything. In fact, in one report, in Ibn Majah, Abu Bakr radiallahu said, Why did you tell them, Ya Rasulullah? <laughs> in other words, you didn't need to tell them. And yeah, Allah Ta'ala wanted us all to know. And what was the two things the Prophet mentioned? Company and wealth. In other words, company and his wealth. He, he spent all his wealth before the victory, which means that he spent it in the most uh, auspicious of times. Maximum returns. Are there any questions you'd like to ask? So, one of the Hamdis, one of the Homer, we have the Kashto, I love you, and the Stabilization to break up the Hamdis, and 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 the H